And in dealing with that this morning, we're going to kind of tie into the message that we have. But did you bring your Bibles? I was sitting there, and I don't mean to be sarcastic in that, but if, 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 hopefully it's on your phone or it's on something. If you have a phone, it's called a Bible. <laughs> Bible comes from Biblos, meaning book. Amen. So this is the book, but you have a, a Bible. So either way, if you brought it, let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank you today for your goodness in our life. We thank you for your generosity towards us that you held nothing back. You gave all you had. You gave your son so that we might have your life, that we might be redeemed, purchased, brought back, reconciled back to you through the life and the sacrifice of your son. We thank you, Father, for your love, your grace, and your amazing generosity to us in giving us your life. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, open your Bibles up to John chapter 11. And uh, we're going to uh, look at, uh, I was going to read the whole passage this morning, but John chapter 11 begins with the account of Lazarus, Jesus' friend, uh, becoming sick and him getting news of that. And they're in a different place and Jesus gets the news. He hangs out two days there and then they journey to where he is. And when he gets there, by the time he gets back to where Lazarus is and hooks up with Mary and Martha, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And, that. and it's such an amazing analogy to what it means for us to have new life in Christ in the resurrection of Lazarus. So I want to begin in, uh, if you would, in verse uh, 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I mean, sometimes it's hard for us to believe for God in the now. Amen. A lot of times we have pie in the sky faith, but God wants us to have right now faith. Amen. And Jesus said, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me Though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Amen. Amen. And so that's a question for all of us. You know, we face all these other kind of things, but you are alive forever in Christ. Jesus came and gave back to us eternal life. Verse 27, she said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the earth. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose and quickly came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. You know, God's just hoping that we get it. Yeah. Amen. He wants us to get the truth 
of what he's done for us. And verse 34, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Come on, next time somebody asks you to quote a Bible verse, that's the easiest one for you to memorize, all right? If you can't get that, we'll help you. Amen. Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Can I just tell you everything about your old man stinks? (laughs) Amen. Everything about the old life, everything about life outside of Christ has the stench of death upon it. And sometimes we need to ask ourselves, hey, what's the stone that's blocking my way to the life that Christ has for me? It's time to roll that thing away. Amen? Verse 40, and Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Man, I pray that would be your confidence when you pray, knowing that God always hears you. Amen? Because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. God raised you up from death. So you would be loosed and released to fulfill purpose. It's not just enough to stand there alive with the old grave clothes around you, your old life, your old ways, the old habit, everything that represents the old life and everything that produces death to still be wrapped around. God wants you free. Can you say amen? He wants you free. Praise the Lord. So look at your outline. In a moment, we'll go to Psalms 41. The Lord has called us forth from the tomb of our path that he might release us to walk out the fulfillment of our destiny in him. Once we realize new life is ours. I mean, it was a little bit of an adjustment for Lazarus. When I'm laying here, I thought it was all over. Now, man, I'm standing back out here. You know, I I get a lot of crazy thoughts, but I'll just stay focused right here this morning. So once, he realized, once we realize new life is ours, it's hard to go back to the place where we live for just ourselves. Think about it. This new life is to be lived out with a greater purpose than what brings joy only to my life. I wonder what Lazarus thought. I'm coming out, and now I get this second shot at life. I got another chance. You know, for me, at the age of 25, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. And I had been nothing but a failure. My whole life up to that point had produced a massive catastrophic failure, the loss of everything that I counted dear. And then I gave my life to Christ. I came out of that prayer room with the realization that God has given me a second shot at life. Amen. All my past, all that behind me, I get this brand new shot at new life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
See, when we live for just ourselves, that is the least we can ever be. When we live for God's purpose in us, that is connected to those around us, there is no limit to what we can be in Him. When you live for something greater than yourself and for God's purpose to be manifest through your life, there's no limit to what God can accomplish through your life. Think about it. The world waits and responds when it sees a demonstration to the unconditional love of God in those who profess to be his follower. And that, like last Sunday, that's why I shared that about your giving. Through your giving, there are people receiving humanitarian aid because of your love of God and your generosity. And, and they're not thanking you. They're praising God for your your love and you're showing forth your love towards them through your giving. Amen? Our world languishes for the love of Christ, the compassion and understanding, acceptance that Christ alone can give to them through those who follow him. God has chosen to make his love known through us. Think about that. God says, I'm going to make myself known through you. That always amazes me, that the God who created the heavens and the earth wants to work through us. The God who could make anything, do anything, is sovereign, has no limits, has no limitations, says, hey, I'm going to do what I do in the earth through people. And we go, are you kidding? God wants to do, God wants to do something in the earth through your life. That's crazy. The God who formed you, the God who knew you when you were being formed in your mother's womb, the God who set the design for every part of your life, the God who established all your gifts, your talents, your ability, says, hey, I'm making you, I'm forming you so that I can show myself through you in the earth. You know, kind of like a Holy Ghost flashlight. Turn it on, the light of God shines out of you. Amen. That's awesome. Think about it. He desires to live in us and through us in the earth. We can all hear the voice of God call our name to rise up and to come out from the tomb of the past. How do you get saved? You hear God's voice calling your name just like he called Lazarus. And he calls you and says, hey, come out of that tomb. Come out of that walk of death. Come out of that decaying life and come forth into the new life that I have for you. We hear that call. This is the living voice of God that calls us forth from death to life and into his purpose. Could it be that he truly desires for us to be the expression of his love in the earth? And the question is, could the price of the call, Eli was saying it in the offering, I beseech you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Could the price of saying yes to God and answering the call pale in comparison to the reward of acceptance? Wow. Look inside your outline. For me, whatever it costs me to say yes will pale in the comparison to the reward of hearing, well done. One day, every person, man, woman, or child, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day, every person will stand and give an account for how we lived our life before God. The one who formed us and made us and designed us with his purpose stamped upon our life will ask each and every one of us, how did you live for our life? And we're either going to hear, well done, or we're going to hear something that's not going to sound so great. Amen? There's another thing that's being told to people. It says, depart from me. 
You either heal well done or depart from me. How about you? I'm not a smart man, but I know which one I want to hear. <laughs> Amen. Well done sounds a whole lot better than depart from me. Amen. So that's what I'm living for, to hear well done. And it's pride. To hear well done from the Lord, to have the Lord say, well done. How awesome is that going to be? But I want you to think about this. Go with me to Psalm chapter 41. Because sometimes we think about the sacrifice. And the only reason God asked something for you, and Eli just did a great job. You know what? i got a special announcement for you. Next week we have a special guest speaker. You know who it's going to be? The man, Eli. Amen. Brother Eli is going to be preaching for us next week. Hallelujah. Go to Psalm 41. And I want you to hear just a few verses and how power-packed this is. But just verse 1. Watch this. Psalms 41, verse 1. Blessed is he who considers the poor. Hear that. Blessed is he who considers the poor. Every time you give, the reason God asks us to give is because God wants to minister to those in need. So church ministry, what we do when we have missionaries, we partner with people in missions work that are ministering to people in need. In different places, different regions. Here locally, we have prison ministries we support. We have outreach ministries we support. We, we, have, we, we have help ministries and, and that. And all the, we support new beginnings. Give it up for new beginnings. <laughs> Hallelujah in the house. Randy, the great work they do. So helping, but through giving, you're able to support people in need. So you're considering. Every time you give, you're considering the needs and necessities of others. And look at what Lord, the Lord said. He says, blessed is he, blessed is he who considers the poor. Now I want you to listen to this manifold blessing that God declares over your life when you live for his purpose. When you allow God to say, hey, I need you to do this. I need you to move in this direction. I need you to move towards that purpose." person. Look what it said. It said there, who considers the poor, watch this, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. How many could use some deliverance every now and then? The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. How many would claim that? Amen. And he will be blessed on the earth. How many say that would be all right? Look at this. And you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. How many would like to triumph over people that have an evil plan against you? Amen. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. How many like getting well over being sick? Sounds good to me. You will sustain him on his sickbed. Wow. How, how do you get all that? How do you get that sixth blessing, that, that manifold blessing? How do you do that? That's what happens when you consider the poor. When you live for purpose greater than your own life. When you consider others even before you consider yourself. How many remember uh, Zig Ziglar? How many have heard anything about Zig Ziglar? Zig Ziglar was a motivational speaker, a great born-again man of God, and an awesome man of God. But, but he trained people in, in how to be successful in business, and this was his success principle. You get everything you want in life by helping others get everything they want in life. He says when you help others first, you receive what you need help for. 
Amen? And that's what the Bible says. But God is saying here. So all those things that we would pray about, all those six things are things that we're asking God to move in answer to prayer for us. But God says, hey, here's how to get your prayers answered. Consider the poor. So what's the poor? Who's the poor? Look at this. The poor are the powerless, the weak, the lean, the unfortunate, the helpless, and those without resource even to meet their own need. When I look at a need, when I see a need, and I believe God has moved me to help and to minister that need, I'm not just helping that person, but God says when I do that, He's looking upon me showing His love to those in this world. He's looking upon me saying, God, I'll be your flashlight. I'll be the one that your light can shine through. I'll be the salt to the earth. Amen? I'll bring that preserving into other people's lives, bring preservation to them. But look what it says. I just want to break this down for you a little bit and then tie a knot on this in just a moment. Look what it said. It said, when we do that, look what it said, the Lord will. Now, this is the way I read my Bible. When it says the Lord will, I don't have to ask him to do what he's already said he's going to do. I just got to thank him that it's done. I did the thing. I'm doing the thing that he said, if I would do this thing, he would do this. You get that? The, the, The Lord always says, if you do this, I will do this. So I don't have to pray to get him to do that. I just have to do what he said will release him to do that. Did you get that? See, we think, I need to pray to do that. He said, I didn't tell you to pray to get it. I said you to do to get it. Because he said, if you do this, then I will do this. Glory to God. Now, now listen, this is not about working to get saved. This is understanding that God has set in motion a law of seed, time, and harvest. The Lord says, if you will consider the poor and sow to meet their needs, sow your time, sow your energy, give yourself, sow and invest yourself in diminishing them. This is the harvest that I will bring out of the seed that you sow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look what he said. The Lord will deliver him. Look at the definition in your outline. It means to be smooth. It means to escape as if by slipperiness. The devil comes against you and you just like squeeze, squirt right out of his hand. Amen. You're slippery. Amen. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost. You're, you're like that pig rubbed in oil and they're trying to attack at the county fair. Amen. You just slip right out of there. Amen. To escape as if by slipperiness, causatively to release or to rescue, to bring forth, emit sparks. I like that one. You ought to be emitting some sparks. Amen. As you're heading out, you're leaving sparks behind you. To deliver, self-escape, to leap out, to preserve, to save speedily and surely. So God said he will deliver him. Secondly, he would preserve him. The word preserve means, look at the second point there, to keep, to guard, to keep watch and ward, to protect, to save life, a, to a, watch, a watchman. So God says that's what he would be over your life. He would be the preserver of your life. Hallelujah. Thirdly, he said he would keep him alive. It means to be restored to life or hell, to, con- a, to continue in life, to remain alive. That sounds good. How you doing? I'm alive. I'm remaining. Amen? 
Watch that. And then, fourthly, he will be blessed on the earth. The word blessing there means to advance, to make progress, to pronounce happy, call blessed, be made happy, just be blessed. How many know what it's like to be blessed? Amen. That God said, I will make sure that you are blessed when you consider the poor, those in need. Let me put you like this. When you consider those I've equipped you to minister to. Amen. See, God called, when, when, <coughs> excuse me, when Jesus called his disciples, uh, he didn't ask them to provide for the ministry he was calling them to do. I had a visit with Steve Rice the other day, and uh, he, he always uh, quotes 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4 that says, No man goes to war at his own expense. Amen. So if you enlisted in the army today, they wouldn't ask you to bring your own gun, buy your own bullets, bring your own clothes, bring your own tank, bring your own plane. They don't ask you to do it, but give yourself. You enlist yourself and everything you need to be, everything you need to be will be provided for you. You just have to enlist yourself. That's what God asked of us. He said, when you do, when you enlist and you answer the call to serve and to be my hand extended, my love displayed, I will make sure everything you need to be is provided in your life. Glory to God. Am I bumming you out this morning? You feel like, man, I'm just waiting for the good news. Amen. <laughs> I said, you're going to be blessed on the earth. Fifthly, watch this. So this is different because to deliver him and to be delivered is two different words. So to be delivered, he will not be delivered to the will of his enemy. How many like the chapter that says, no weapon formed against you will prosper? Well, how do you bring that to pass? See, I don't have to pray that. I don't have to be in, in, in antagonized against my enemy. I just have to believe if I'm living according to God's purpose in my life, he raised me up from the tomb of death and failure and defeat. He's brought me out. He stripped the old clothes of my past off of me. He's given me new life. And now if I just live for his purpose, he will make sure that I am delivered from my enemies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It means to grant, to permit, to give over, or to deliver up. He will not allow you to fall into their hand. Number six, the last one. And he will strengthen him in his sickness and heals him from all his infirmities. Glory to God. I love that. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, thou hast healed him. Healest all his infirmity. It means the word it means sustain means to support, to strengthen. The word heal means to turn, to overthrow, to overturn sickness out of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. We are called to be the healed of the Lord. It means to turn about, to turn over, to turn around, to change, to transform from sickness to hell, from death to life. Glory to God. That's what God said he would do in our life. Look at it in your, in your outline there in the Living Bible. 
Psalm 41, verse 1 through 3. God blesses those who are kind to the poor. He helps them out of their troubles. He protects them and keeps them alive. He publicly honors them and destroys their power, the, the power of their enemies. He nurses them when they are sick and soothes their pains and worries. Let me say, I'll put that on my refrigerator. <laughs> Amen. But watch this. Those are promises to those who consider. To those who actually do, who care, and minister to the poor. If I'm not doing that, then I have to spend all my time praying for God to move in those areas. But if I'm doing what he asks me to do in living and giving, what did Jesus say to his disciples when he washed their feet? He says, do you know what I've done to you? Do you know what I have done to you? If I, being your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, if I have served you, then this is how you're supposed to live. Because if you want to be great, become the servant of all. Find somebody's feet to wash. Find somebody's need to meet. Humble yourself to minister to somebody else. Jesus says, he that will be great will be the servant of all. He said, I've given you an example. I've shown you how to live. And when you live like that, when you give yourself, it's the richest and greatest and most fulfilling life you can live is living to be God's hand extended. Amen. Sometimes washing people's feet isn't just getting down and washing their feet. There's so many other ways to bring healing, cleansing, and reassurance into people's lives. Could you say amen? amen. So let me just go here for just a moment. John 3.16 well, before we get there, just remember what we read there is that the reward is worth the price. Well, what will it cost me to consider the poor? We just read that the reward of considering the poor is a six-fold blessing. How many know that God always gives more than you give? It's amazing. When, come, when Paul was talking to the church at Corinth about giving, he said, God provides. Watch this. God provides. <laughs> God provides. Somebody say, God provides. God provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And then when the seed that he provided for you is sown, this is what he said, he provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater, and then he'll multiply the seed that he gave you to sow. So that you may continue to abound in doing what? In being charitable to every need that arises before you. So when you just take God at his word and say, God, I just believe that you've called me to be like you in the earth. You want me to live to be a blessing to others. You raised me up and gave me new life so that you could flow through my life. And when you flow through my life, all the provision of heaven is available to flow through my life. You take my meager little lunch of five loaves and two fish. You receive it. You bless it. You mix it with the increase of heaven. And then you bring it back into my life. In multiplied form. And then when I give it out first to others, there's always more than enough left over. And you just wake up one morning and go, you know what? I think I'm smart enough to believe that. I just think I'll live by that and watch God do the impossible in people's eyes through my life. Amen. John 3.16 says what? 
Okay, let's say it real loud together. For God, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. So what's the limit to everlasting life? Amen. So watch this. That's what he's given you is everlasting life. And what hinders me from giving to the poor is I'm concerned about my little life that I don't think has enough. And when I go from not enough to believing in a God who's always more than enough and believing he raised me up, then you just start walking in the blessing of God and that blessing flows without you having to wrestle for it. Amen? Think about that. Jacob wrestled with God to get a blessing. God just said, man, you just give the poor, I'll bless you. All right, move right along. So what that declares is God is an extrovert, not an introvert. He doesn't live introvert. Does not, God does not live for himself. He's living through you. He extends himself to it. You, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says this, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The word manifestation there in the Greek, it means this. It means expression by extension. You know what that mean? It means that God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to express myself through your life. Okay, that's awesome. God said, I'm, I'm going to manifest myself through your life. And the word, it, it means expression by extension. God said, I'm extending my life into your life. And my life now is going to be, ex- my life is going to be expressed through your life. Woo! That'll make you run around church like a Pentecostal. <laughs> oh, man. I was so blessed going to Bible school. I, God gave me an old Pentecostal holiness pastor as a mentor in my life for two years. Brother Jess Higginbotham. He lived in Biggs, California. I was working for the cable company out of Yuba City. And, and, and my route was to go to Biggs every Wednesday. And so every Wednesday, I would have lunch with Brother Jess. And Brother Jess was one of the most amazing men of God that God put in my life that I've known. And uh, he, 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 he had skin cancer, and he had ulcerated sores all over his body. So he went up in a cabin, and he prayed for 40 days, fasting prayed for 40 days. And, and during that time, he memorized the whole book of Psalms. And uh, at the end of that, he began uh, taking some chicken broth and some crackers, and he came out of there, and God totally healed him. Amen. See, sometimes you just need to get serious and go after stuff. Amen. Sometimes you press through. And, uh, but he was the most amazing guy. But, but he, he'd just get free, and he'd get so excited about God and the Word that he'd go, Woo! He'd give, he'd give one of those. And, and he'd be preaching, and he'd run at his own sermon. He'd just go, Woo! And then he'd just take off. Run around the church. Amen. He, he didn't need R.W. R. Schombach. R.W. R. Schombach could preach. He said, won't somebody run around this tent? Brother Jess, just run. Amen. 
But, but he gets so excited about God, just woo! And sometimes you're going to hear the word of God. That's the way you need to hear. You need to hear where, where it sets off a woo on the inside. God, you want to express yourself through my life? Woo! You'd be like Kramer busting into Jerry's room. I'm here. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. I don't know that God does that today. <laughs> well, you just sit there and be boring. We're going to, whoa! Amen. So watch this. Think about this. God so loved the world, what? That he gave. He gave his only son, how? For our sins. Not for his, for our sins. He has given us forgiveness and unconditional love. He has restored us to all that was lost. Amen. I made a failure out of my life by 25. I lost my marriage. I lost my son. I lost everything that meant anything to me. The thing that I didn't want my children to experience, I did the things that brought the failure that Sean had to walk through. And then I get saved, and God restores my life. He gives me an amazing woman of God to be my wife. This year we'll celebrate 43 years of marriage. He gave us three beautiful children. And then 18 years later, he restored my son back into my life miraculously who walked to this altar, got saved right there on that spot right over there in 1997, been living for God, and is now pastoring his own church in Loomis, California. God is a God of forgiveness and restoration. He gives you back everything. He restores it all back to you. And our ninth grandchild was just born this week. You serve an amazing God. He declared that all that is His is now ours. He's made us partakers of His divine nature. So here's the question. How can we not live to be the expression of His love to others? How can we become so self-centric when we be saved by an extrovert God? You see, you cannot keep what you try to hold on to. Go to Mark chapter 8, if you would. Mark chapter 8, beginning verse 34, Jesus says this. He says, And when he had called the people to him, with his disciples also, he said to them, said to everybody, Whoever desires to come after me, let him what? Let him what? Deny himself. That's the first, first hurdle every believer has to get over. I have to live a way where I have to deny myself. 
That's why Paul wrote it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, as Eli read, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice. You're the first thing that goes on the altar. I can't give anything else and substitute for myself. Let him come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed of when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. How about you? I know I'm smart enough to avoid that. Amen. I never want God to be ashamed of me. I want to live giving my life away for Him. Praise the Lord. See, you can't keep what you try to hold on to. If you love your life, you must lose it. To keep your life, you have to give it away. Only by letting go can we truly possess all that He has for us. Let your life be given away for others. I'm encouraging you, church, in this world, in this day, in this hour, with everything going on, come on, God knows how to handle inflation. No matter what it is, don't, don't squeeze down, don't get in fear of finances or enough for supply. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. This last point I want to give you. From the beginning, God has always showed up on purpose, with purpose and for purpose, in the lives of men and women, and He's doing the same today. If God has saved you, if you're here today, and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have divine purpose stamped upon your life. God creates nothing without purpose. I don't care how the world sees you. I don't care how your peers see you. I don't care how those around you. I don't care about your path. I don't care about anything that's been spoken over you. None of that changes God's purpose for your life. He's the only one. The creator is the only one who can assign purpose to the creation. And God created you and he stamped you with divine purpose to be fulfilled through your life. Think about it. Adam knew God's purpose but missed the mark. Cain knew God's purpose and failed miserably. Noah followed God's purpose and built the ark. Abraham obeyed God's purpose and offered up his son and received the promise. Joshua possessed through God's purpose. The judges delivered through God's purpose. Gideon was changed by God's purpose. Samson was strong by God's purpose. Saul failed by missing God's purpose. David ruled according to God's purpose. The prophets spoke to reveal God's purpose. Jesus came to fulfill God's purpose, and we are called, saved, commissioned by God's grace into his purpose. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the reward of acceptance always weighs the price, outweighs the price of the call. Whatever God is calling you to do, the reward of acceptance by him. What is that acceptance? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That at any moment. I like what Sister Khadijah said. I've been sharing it with the men. She said it the other day in a conversation. She says, every day I get up and I say, God, God, this could be the last day that I'm here. I have no guarantee of tomorrow. This could be the last day that I'm here. Lord, Holy Spirit, lead me to who you want me to touch for you. Lead me. To the one you want to use me to show your love to. Because at any moment, you could end up before him. I have no guarantee of another day, another moment. At any moment, could be your last moment. So live to consider. Now, just, just take the poor out there and just people. 
What if you just considered somebody beside yourself? Somebody. And sometimes you don't have, well, what could I do? Sometimes all God needs you to do is just say, hey, could I pray for you? I just feel like you're down. Do you need some encouragement? Sometimes money isn't the answer. Sometimes it's just a hug. Sometimes it's just that moment just to listen. Sometimes somebody just needs an ear. Amen? But you have, it takes time to give somebody your ear. And you have to sow that. It takes that sowing. Are you doing okay? The reward of acceptance is always outweighs the call. The call of God brings us to the place of preparation. Preparation will bring you to separation by God. Separation is where you will live in fulfillment of the purpose you were raised for. Acts chapter 26, as I close. The Lord appeared to the Apostle Paul. He said, Paul, I've appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister. I've appeared unto you for this, to make you. You're not this. I will make you to be what I purposed you to be. When I find that out, God, you made me. On, on, on Monday nights with the men, we've been studying about seed. And every seed has an assignment on the inside of it, and that assignment is harvest. Every seed carries harvest on the inside of it. It's put there. It, it's in there. You can't, nothing you add to the outside of that seed changes the harvest that's on the inside of it. You, that seed just has to be sown, and what's in it comes out of it. That's your life. Your life is a seed, and God already ordained a harvest. His purpose is His harvest that He desires to bring forth through your life. And you can't offer Him a counterfeit for what He put on the inside of you. You can only offer Him the harvest that He set on the inside of you. So you sow your life into the soil of His kingdom, and what He puts inside of you comes out of you naturally. Glory to God. When you get that, you'll do the Kramer too. <laughs> Amen. God put that in me. Amen. So look at this last part of the back of your outline. See, these last few weeks, this is what's happened. Last week, you were moved by the message. When John Haruska was here, you were moved by the message. When you hear the testimonies, you get moved by the message. Why does the missionary's message move us to a place where we want to give, go do, help, and support a cause? You see, people are moved every day by a cause to help make a difference. Why is that? Because we all want to accomplish more with our lives. We want our life to count for more. We all have a sense on the inside of us that we too could make a difference the drive and the call of purpose that God put in us everybody senses there there could be more to my life I'll never forget when we planted our church the gentleman who was head of the home mission department at that time he said to me he was in his early 70s just turned uh, well somewhere in his early 70s he just said he said Don I, I wish when I was your age I'd have had the courage to do what you were doing but he was afraid to launch out into the unknown. You see, to go and plant a church with nobody but your wife and, and three ki two kids at that time is, is a challenge. We had one guy say, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. We're just going to go do it. 
See, God didn't ask you to know how. He asked you to go do. See, many times you, you quit from going because you don't know how. God didn't ask you to know how. He said you to go do. And if you just say, okay, I'll go do it, he will reveal the how in the doing. As you just start going, he'll show you. So I don't know, I, I guess we'll just go find a place in a building. We'll start meeting there, and we'll just kind of have a field of dreams mentality. If we preach it, they will come. Amen? So you just go, and you do, and you find out that God, you, you don't know how to do it. So this guy goes, John Laramie, he goes, man, I don't understand that. I'm going to have to come see that. i, I got to be there for that first service because I have no idea how you do this. I can't believe you're just going to go. You don't know anybody there. You've never been there. You don't do it. And you're just going to go there and believe you can plant a church? I go, well, Yeah. Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I already got the command. All I need to do is do the go, and he will show me how to do. So 33 years later, here we are, still doing it. God's still making it happen, amen? And thousands of people have come through. I'll be nice, we retain them all. I don't care. As long as you come through and get something, I'm happy. Amen. You don't belong to me, you belong to him. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So what happened? We all want to accomplish more with our lives, but we have the drive and the call of purpose to keep pulling on. Purpose is always connected to people. I'm just not a people person. Then you'll never do anything for God. Your purpose is connected to people. You're going to have to learn how to like people. I really don't get along with people. Well, we'll pray for you to get saved. Amen. Anything God, see, see, what we do, we're still wrapped up in our old nature. You're just standing there in your old grave clothes. You've been made a partaker of the divine nature, and God loves people. And if you're born again and filled with this spirit, there's a love on the inside of you to be released towards people. God's not asking you to do it out of yourself. He's asking you to allow his nature to flow through you, to love people. This is good. I'm going to listen to this myself. (laughs) Anything God wants and calls you to do will be connected to people. The people around you, those in your life, will reveal the potential and purpose that God has for your life. Faithfully touching them will reveal two things. Your current assignment and your life assignment. But God asks you, many many people want to go to two. Lord, what's my life assignment? What's the big thing you want to do through my life? Well, you get there by doing the current thing I have for you to do. Your current assignment prepares you for your life assignment. And if you can't be faithful in the little, you will never be released to the greater. Are you doing okay? Amen. Being faithful in my current assignment opens the door. To complete and fulfill my life assignment. Rick, could you just come back and play the guitar for a moment, please? So watch this. Never forget. Never forget, my friend. God calls us forth from the tomb of death to walk in new life from Him. You know, Paul said in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're the walking dead. We're dead. You're born into this world in slavery to sin. You're born into slavery to sin. You can't help it. You're born with a fallen nature, a nature that just 
does wrong without any training. You don't think so? Just watch babies. Where do babies get that attitude? It's in them. They, they, they have a fallen nature. And you do too. Just because you've learned how to dress up and look refined with it doesn't mean it's dead. God calls us forth from the tomb of death to walk in new life in Him. Being born again out of the grave of a fallen world and released from slavery of sin into a glorious life of living to see His purpose fulfilled through our lives and in the end to receive the reward of faithfulness. Never forget that. That's what God's called you out of. Amen. So what's my motivation to touch another? This is what motivates me. A greater man than me died to save me. 2008, there was a plane crash. Ron Luce, who was the head of, of a youth organization at that time, his daughter was on a flight and a, a private little chartered plane going from one place to another and a young man named Austin who had served in, in overseas in, in the Iraq war was on the plane with him he was a marine and that and their plane crashed and uh, he was thrown from the plane they landed in this field he was thrown from the plane the plane was on fire and Ron's daughter was still in the plane Austin saw the plane on fire went back Across that field because he'd been trained to leave no one behind. So he went back to the plane, went in the plane in the fire, and pulled Ron's daughter out of that plane and carried her out to the edge of the road where the people found her and got her to the hospital. And when she got there later, here she was covered up in massive burns over her body and stuff, but she survived. And when she's covered, when she could finally speak, these were the first words she said. She said, Austin saved Austin saved me. And Austin saved him, saved her. But in the saving of her, he gave his life that she might live. And Jesus looked at you and he saw you in the grips of death. And he knew that if he didn't come and give his life, that you would perish. So he came and gave his life upon a cross and bore your sins. He took the flames for you and he brought you out. And the motivation for you and I to live our lives for somebody else is because a greater man than us died for us to live. How can I not live and give my life for something bigger than myself? Stand with me this morning. Let me ask you this. Who did God use to reach you? Just think back. Who did God use to reach you? You didn't get here on your own. God used somebody in your life to reach you. Then ask yourself the question, why did God touch your life? And then ask yourself, what is in you that is not you but for another? There's something that gets me as a pastor and living this life that we call ministry. When Ephesians 4 says that God gave gifts unto men, it means that he puts something in men 
to be given away through them to others. That God makes you a gift that He gives and expends on others. Not something to be glorified, exalted, and lifted up and idolized. But He gives you you to spend you on the lives of others. And in every one of your life, God's put something in you to be spent on somebody else's life. And when the church ever gets a hold of that, when one, two, three, four, I'll tell you what, if just four people got this message today, say, God, you put something in me to be spent for somebody else. You came into the... You came into the flames of this world. You pulled me out and you rescued me. And I live because you died. What did you put in me to be given to someone else? Then ask yourself, what will be your defining moment? And this is all I know about that. Your defining moment is not when you think you accomplished that great thing for God. Our defining moment will be when we stand before Him. And when we think my life didn't matter, I didn't do this much, I didn't but you live to give. And then He shows you what your giving did in heaven. Who's there? What happened because of you? I often think one time we were on the streets in Oakland. We did this outreach down there, and this African-American man came up and just drunker than a skunk. And the Spirit of God came on, just laid my hands on him, began to pray for him. God began to give me words of not. And that man sobered up right there on the spot, gave his life to Christ. I've never seen him again. But I wonder when I get to heaven, what that encounter will have. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we think it'd be something, but it might just be that one time God used you to touch that one person and never showed you what came out of that touch. Glory to God. Are you getting this today? I'm just telling church, we're alive in a season where God's just looking for people who will consider the poor, who realize that you are like Lazarus. He's called you forth from the tomb of death. He's raised you to new life. And He's released you to purpose. Would you bow your heads with me? I believe there's a reason that these last several weeks, every person that's come through our church has been connected in some way to missions and outreach and souls and harvest. Because God's preparing our church to break out into the harvest. To do something great. He's preparing your hearts. And I want to begin today. If you're here today and you're still in the tomb of this world. And you've heard God's voice and you've tried to hop out on your own. And you've never made it out. But today you're just going to answer his call. And you're going to allow God's grace to bring you out of that tomb. To unwrap your life and to set you free. You're going to say yes to God. Give your life to Him. Then I want you just to raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you. Is that anybody today you need to give your life to Christ? 
never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, there anybody here who needs to make that commitment? Amen. Okay, we're all saying we're saved. I want you to open your eyes for just a moment. Is there an empty seat next to you? That represents somebody that should be here. That represents somebody that shouldn't go to hell. That represents somebody that you could impact and influence. A few years ago, we did a thing on Where's Frank? Friends, relationships, acquaintances, relatives, neighbors, and our kids. Okay? Because an empty seat's a big deal. It's a big deal. Amen? So if you're willing to say yes to God, just raise both hands to heaven. I could give an altar call, and I know almost all of you would just step forward and say, God, I'm... Pastor, I'm all in today. I'm in. But I just want you to take a moment. I'm not even going to pray for you right now. I'm going to ask you just to take this moment and tell God. If you're all in, you tell Him. God, I'm in. I want to live for your purpose. You, you just, in your own words, you answer. What the Holy Spirit spoke to you through this message, then you say, God, Lord, I'm, I'm going to consider. Holy Spirit, teach me. Show me how to consider people, the poor, those around me. Show me how to release what you put through my life to flow through them. Show me how to be that one that you could use. Show me how to give my life for others. Show me how to be an Austin to run into the flames for others. Lord, show me how to do that. Just take this moment right now. It's your prayer. It's your commitment. The prayer that sticks it's not the one that I pray for you or anybody else prays for you. It's the one you pray over your own life. That's the one that matters. It's your life. That's why Paul says, I beseech you. And Eli was so right on in sharing that this morning. I beseech you by the mercy that you present your bodies, your life. So if God spoke to you, that's what I'm asking you to do right now. You just tell God, okay, God, this is my life. It's yours from here on out. I'm saying yes to you. Ask him, Holy Spirit, help me dealing with people. Help me get over all this stuff. Let me leave those grave clothes behind. I don't want to be bound up in that old. I just want to live with a yes for you. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today. Lord, I thank you. You saved us, raised us, and brought us out into new life. You've empowered us by your grace. You've filled us with your nature. You have endued us with your power. You've anointed us with your spirit to live and to be your hands extended and your love displayed. So, Father, we say yes to you with all of our hearts in Jesus' name. And somebody said, come on, give the Lord a good praise this morning. Let this week be the week that God uses you to touch a life, to make a difference. Be like Sister Khadijah and say, Lord, show me who you would have me love today for you. Amen.